lower, some that are a little bit higher. But on average, the, the, the ones that have been inducted into the Hall of Fame, everybody say Hall of Fame. So these are, the, these are the big dogs. They've been inducted into the Hall of Fame, hitting 325 as a batting average. That simply means that they're hitting one out of three balls. So what that means is, is they're missing twice as much as they're hitting. Come on. And they're in the Hall of Fame. Does that seem like, like it makes sense to you? I mean, they're swinging and whiffing. They're hitting and knocking it out. And they're only hitting one good ball out of three. But yet they're inducted into the Hall of Fame. But nevertheless, they keep getting up to, the, up to the home plate and they keep swinging away. Just hoping to be a part of the team. And if you've lived life, do you understand that life is often that way, that, that way? Maybe it's in positions of leadership. Maybe it's positions of being a husband or wife, a mother or father. Just being in church. When it comes to life, there are bumps in the roads. There are things that happens. And, and many times it feels like we are swinging and missing. Swinging and missing. And once in a great while, I'll hit a good hit. But once again, the odds are is that we miss more than we actually hit it. But they'll celebrate a batter and put him in the Hall of Fame for missing twice as much as he hits. But we as believers, we as husbands and wives, we as children of God that are looking to, to love God and serve God and love people and love life, we have these hiccups in the road, and maybe we find ourselves swinging and missing twice as much as we hit, but then we begin to think of ourselves as a failure. But God doesn't look at you as a failure. He doesn't look as though, well, you blew it again, you swung and you missed. No, he realizes that for you to be in the Hall of Fame, all you got to do is keep stepping up to the plate and swinging away, and eventually you're going to hit one. And regardless whether you hit one or you miss one, you still progress the game along. Every time that we swing and miss, it's not a failure. It's an opportunity for us to grow. Every time we step up to the plate, it's our opportunity to be a part of the team. And swing and miss or swing and hit, we're still moving the game. And people are still coming across the home plate because we're a part of a team. Can you say amen? amen. Just recently, I heard this uh, story. Uh, and I can't remember, it must have been in the conference that I was just, just in as of late, or I can't remember exactly. So forgive me for not knowing this gentleman's name. Uh, I, I tried to look it up. I tried to research it to find out who he was. It just wasn't coming together. But this is the basis of the story. There was a young man that was in college, and he was known as being a home run hitter. That was his 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 claim to fame was how well he hit the ball, and he kept hitting home runs, and he actually got drafted into the major leagues. When he got into the major leagues, his coach said, listen, I know that you're known and you're a good home run hitter. He says, but I'm going to make you a place hitter and you're going to become the greatest place hitter that there ever was. What does that mean? It means that he's, he doesn't have his own agenda. It doesn't mean that he's swinging for the deep seat. What, what it means is when he becomes a place hitter, he's looking to place the ball in the field just to make contact, just to hit, just to be part of the team so that it drives, runs in, and the score of the team goes up. And when he made it his choice and made it his purpose to say, I am going to be a team player. I'm not in it for me and my glory, but I'm in it to see that the team wins. He, in fact, became known as the greatest place hitter in the game of baseball. Why? Because he became a team player. Our relationship with God, our relationship with church is a team sport. It takes us working together, doesn't it? 
Every single one of us have challenges that come up. We have obstacles. We have hardships in our lives. But all of us get through them easier and better if we do it together as a team. I need you and you need me. You might be looking to the person next to you and thinking, oh, dear God, I don't need you. <laughs> I don't need you. <laughs> I don't like you. <laughs> no, you need them. And you might just find that the person sitting next to you has something that you need that will put you over to the next level. Can you say amen? amen. We've got to do it as a team effort. And the goal is to get as many people across home plate as we can. That means you. That isn't meaning that, well, I praise the Lord, I'm on the team, I'm going to heaven. No, I want you to score a run in your life. I want you to be successful. I want those people that are coming into GVC that don't know Jesus to say, hey, listen, I became a part of the team because of what we did to serve them and to love them. And then they begin to experience wins for their life. They say, I want to be a part of that team. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12 and 13. You don't have to turn there, but if you have your Bibles, you can. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 12 and 13, it says this. It says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I, will, I shall see just as I am known. Verse 13 says this, But until then abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I don't know if you're like me. I'm my worst critic. Do you ever beat yourself up? Sometimes my wife, she says, man, your face looks puffy. What's been going on? Man, I've just been slapping myself around. Man, like, you dummy, come on, get it together. I am I'm rough on myself. I look in the mirror and I'm thinking, there's more in you, Tony. Come on, let, let's, let's chuck it up. Let's get in the game. Come on, you can do it. And you see what's in you. You know the potential that God's put in you. And you keep saying, well, one day, one day, one day when I get to heaven, I'll know everything that God has for me. But do you realize that the closer you get with God, the more you get to see him face to face in a personal relationship, you begin to know who you are. You begin to discover what gifts and talents you have on the inside to be a part of the team. But the same thing is applicable as we start doing life together with our teammates. You start seeing those people you're alongside, sitting next to, doing life with. And you not only begin to see the potential of yourself, but then you begin to see, man, there's things in them. There's stuff in you. God has such a great, great plan and great purpose. And as we grow together in this pursuit for God, we begin to see everything that God begins to desire and lay out for us. But it's a process of time. It's a process. It's a growth process. And during that process of growth, he said, there's faith, there's hope, and there's love that is helping you round the bases and taking you into the home plate where the greatest of these is love. God wants us to grow. God desires for us to be a team player so that we can begin to say, I love God, I love people, and I love life. You know, one of my greatest desires is to get to know you and to leave you better than I met you. You know what I mean? Hopefully that just having the opportunity to speak into your life, to pour into your life, your life is better than the time that you met me or when we first met. Life is all about moving ahead. If we're not careful, life becomes a competition of, well, I can do it better. 
right? It begins on a playground. Think about it. You know, your kids go to school. I can remember my kids. They're still young, just still in elementary. You know, and you send them into a new world that they've never been a part of, never had experience of. And they go out there on the playground, and they're like, I've never been to school before. I don't know any of these kids, and I want to play. And I see the, the, the swing set over there, and I want to swing on the swing set, but somebody's over, already over there on the swings. And so they start looking around. What do they do? They pick up a rock, and they throw it at somebody. <laughs> Why? Because I want, on that, I want on that swing. Well, listen, everything about life becomes a competition. Well, this is what I did. Well, yeah, but this is what I did. Well, this is what I, what, what I know. Well, let me show you and tell you what I know. This is what I have. Well, let me share with you what I have, right? Everything becomes a competition. But if we purpose to channel that in the right way, we can begin to look at church with that same attitude and say, uh, well, I'm going to try to do better than you or I'm going to try to get more recognition. But the best way, the greatest way that we can become competitive and get recognition is our ability and our desire and our heart to serve one another. I said, I want to serve you. I want our church to be a heart that says, I don't want to just come and go. I want to serve people. I want to love on people so that way they're better than when I first met them. And I would just so love for our church to have such a competitive nature in the area of serving. To say, well, I'm going to serve better than you. Oh, yeah, you think you're going to serve better than me? Well, watch this. And you try to serve somebody. And I just want to serve somebody better than you can. I want to love you better than they love you. Why? Because that's the heart of God. Listen, we can channel that in the right way, can't we? Just simply getting, getting in the game to win and say, I'm going to outserve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve somebody today. Amen? That's God's desire. That's God's heart. This is how we do life together. Loving God, loving people, and loving life. If you remember, in the context of the scripture, it says, in this process of learning who we are and finding out what's on the inside of us and God revealing those things and growing in our relationship, God says there's faith, hope, and love. And so in the process of playing the game, first base is simply faith. We're purposing to grow in our faith walk. The greatest way that we can grow in our relationship with God, and this is so counterintuitive, it's something that we just have such a hard time grabbing hold of, but one of the greatest ways that you begin to grow in your relationship with God is as you begin to grow in your serving somebody else. Why? Because you're putting to practice what God is putting on the inside of you. If you remember Jesus, Jesus said this. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He says, if you love me, keep my, my commandments. And he says, go feed my sheep. What's he saying? Here's what he's saying. If you love me, don't tell me, show me. If you love me, don't tell me, show me. Come on, guys. How's it working for you, you and your wives? She's like, don't tell me, show me. Show me the money, right? She's wanting you to show and express your love. She, God wants us to begin to express our ability in our heart to serve him by loving him. And how we love him is by expressing it and doing it towards people. He says, feed my sheep. Well, God says in order for you to be 
one that feeds sheep, you've got to have some qualifications in your life. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and chapter 5, he speaks to individuals that are just a part of the team and just are serving people. They're just on the service, the serving team. And this is what he says. These are the qualifications of those that are serving. He says, first of all, he says, be a man and a woman, man or a woman who lives a life above reproach, faithful to your spouse, exercises self-control, lives wisely, has a good reputation, enjoys having people over to their home, able to teach, not a drunk, not violent, not quarrelsome, but is gentle, not a lover of money, able to manage his own family well, (laughs) having his children respect him and and obey him. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm a pastor, and you see. (laughs) Anyways, praise the Lord. (laughs) And not a new believer. Did you catch all those things that I shared? These are the kind of people and the qualities that we need down in the nursery loving on our kids. I said, these are the qualities that we need on the worship team and the hospitality team and the kids ministry. These are the qualities that we need. And you're thinking, dear God, I'm just quitting my ministry now because I can't measure up. It's too hard. Listen, God didn't say you had to be this right now. He said this is the standard. You're a work in progress. This is where the walk of faith comes in because we're not perfect. We got rough edges. Come on. But God's working out the rough edges on us so that we can be better servants to be able to love people in the body of Christ and come into being a part of the team. And we're all purposing to rise to the standard. Then he goes on and he begins to speak to those that are really in ministry leadership, pastors or those that are on pastoral staff or those that are staff members of of, of the body of Christ or the church. He says this concerning those leaders. He said they need to be well respected. They need to have integrity, not drunkards, uh, not dishonest with money, must have committed to the ministry of faith. Having a clear conscience, having their wives or their husbands uh, uh, be respectful towards them, not slanderous towards others, exercising self-control, and faithful in everything that they do. Once again, this is the standard. Are we there yet? No. But we're growing. And if God said to us concerning those that are just on the team, listen, if you're a Christian, if you're a part of the body of Christ, you are a service member. You are a team player, whether you realize it or not. And God says, listen, grow to the standard. For those that are in ministry or have the desire to be in ministry in some form or fashion, God said, here's the standard. We might think, oh, dear God, that's hard. Well, he must have thought that it was possible for us to achieve and to arise to. Because he laid it out for us. Amen? Amen. So when I'm on the team, I'm serving. My heart is to be what God's put in me to be. To grow in my faith toward God. But as I become a member of the team to serve people, I'm endeavoring to help people grow in their faith. I'm purposing to serve them. And here's the thing. You're going to serve people that don't deserve it. Come on. I said, you're going to serve people that don't deserve it. You're going to serve people that don't say thank you. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for loving on them. 
thank you for changing their poopy diaper. Thank you. Listen, you're going to serve people that don't give a rip and don't give you a thank you or a see you later. But nevertheless, we purpose to serve them, right? Every time that we come to church, and for that matter, every time that we wake up in life, we wake up to attack hell. I said, we wake up to attack hell. What are you doing today? What what are you alive for? I'm alive and I'm breathing air because I'm alive to attack hell. Come on, I'm here to fix hell. I'm here to fix problems in people's lives because they're messed up. Now, don't look at anybody. Just look straight ahead. But listen, you're all messed up. We're all messed up. There's something that God is trying to straighten out and get us right and get us fixed and walk this life of faith. And there's people that are coming behind you that haven't got to the place where you are, and they're even more messed up than you. We're here to help fix hell. We're here to grow and love and serve people into the kingdom of God. Amen. Come on, you know how it is. You know, you come into church and you shake their hand and you're like, oh, you came back and you turn to your spouse. You're like, oh, dear God, they came back. Oh, my God. <laughs> Listen, it's okay. We want them to come back, right? You know how it is. You know, you're saying hi to somebody. You greet them and they're sitting there. And, you know, and they talk to you for a half hour. And there's been 30 people that have walked by that you wanted to say hi to. But they're telling you all what's going on. And you're like, oh, yes, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. And before you know it, church has started and it's 30 minutes. Well, you know, why don't we just go into church? Praise the Lord. It's been going for 30 minutes. Okay, praise the Lord. Hey, I'll see you after church is over. You're like, oh, praise the Lord. Okay, I'll see you. I'll be right here. <laughs> Those are just people, but we're here to serve them, Right? We're here because people just go through life and there's bumps in the roads that they're looking for you to be a blessing and serve them and help them. Amen? Amen. 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 For the sake of time, let me move on to number two. Base number two. What's base number two? We said base number one, our first base is faith. Second base is hope. Once again, we said that Jesus came and he says, if you love me, Don't tell me, show me. But Jesus also said this. He said, listen, I've come to give you hope because I've come to be the example for you. I come to show you how to live. Are you here? I said, Jesus came and he said, I'm going to show you how to live first. And then after I show you how to live, then they're going to beat the snot out of me. Oh, no, 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 Jesus, don't do it. No, no, listen, they're, they're going to beat the tar out of me. And they're going to kill me. But I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to serve you. And then I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to do it for you. Because I love you. And I'm not just going to tell you, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to show you how to lay down my life. I'm going to show you what it means to serve somebody. And I'm doing it for you. Because the fact that I've done it, you have the ability to do it as well. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you. So when you think you can't serve somebody that's unlovable, that's what you're here for. To simply love them because they don't deserve it. They deserve to go to hell and burn. (laughs) They do. But you're here to simply love them. Because that's what we're here for. Amen? Now don't you go home and tell your spouse... Go to hell. You deserve it. (laughs) Just love on them, all right? (laughs) That's what we do. We we serve people. And my heart is, 
that I'm going to love you so much that you can't talk bad about me. And if you start talking bad about me, you're going to feel bad about it because it's like, they just love us. Amen? How would that work with your kids? I'm going to love you so much you ain't even going to think about acting out, disobeying. You're going to feel bad when you start talking about mom and dad that way because we just love you. Amen? So what do we do? Every time we come together, we purpose just to do it better. Every time we come together, we purpose to grow in our faith, to develop our faith so that we can serve and love people greater and better because they need the hope. Jesus said, I've come to lay down my life that you can have hope of going home and be a a part of a winning team. People need to know that there's hope, and God wants you to be the ones that are there to help them. Now, listen, I realize that serving people is a, a challenging thing. I realize that. I realize you come into church sometimes, those of you that serve and help in different areas, you're like, bless God, it's been the worst week of my life. (laughs) They just tell me I'm going to almost lose my job and the washing machine went down and the kids are talking to me. I hope that they appreciate me when I come down. I'm downstairs working with the kids. I'm changing poopy diapers. I'm breaking up fights. I hope they appreciate me. Listen. If you're serving, people don't know it. They're doing their own thing. If you're downstairs working with the kids, people don't know it. But if you're looking for that a boy, if you're looking for the pat on the back, if you're looking to receive honor of men, the Bible says that there is no reward for that. God said when we serve selflessly just because we do it to honor him, that's where the reward is. When we stand before God, he says, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. You've done well. But when you stand up there before God and he says, well, come on in. He's like, oh, did you see all the stuff I did? He said, yeah, you complained all the time. You boo-hooed and complained that pastor didn't give you a thank you or, uh, you know, the worship team didn't play your song that week or whatever. You just complained too much. God wants us to serve with a heart simply because it's the right thing to do. Can you say amen? Amen. Why do we want to serve people that way? Because every time that we come together, our hope and our heart is to help launch people. Launch people into what God's called them to be and to do. Launch them into the joy and the success of life. Launch them into life where they are a part of a winning team and seeing victory in their life. Not just going through life and getting bumped up and banged up all along the way. Come on. I was in martial arts and, 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 and was around the rings and fighting and all that kind of thing. Do you know that there are those that, that you saw them and you're like, oh, they're easy. I'm going to whoop them. Why? Because you just know you can just whoop them. And they just live the life. Every time they get into the ring, they look and bop around and they look good it was like you're going down why because they become accustomed to being losers loser gets on the inside but when you stand up and you fight it's like i might take a bump of here or there but i'm a winner and i'm a fighter because i'm a part of a winning team there's going to be times that we swing and miss but god says that he's purposing for us to find success and victory in a team As I said, we serve people simply because they don't deserve it. 
And they're going to serve people for the, with the heart and the desire to see them grow. Listen, husbands and wives, moms and dads and friends that are here, I know that you're looking at different people in your life and you're thinking, gosh, I just so desire and want them to grow. Not everybody's going to grow. Some people just refuse to grow in their relationship with God. Some people just refuse to get on the team. That's okay. But it doesn't cause us to stop loving and serving them. Why? Because God expects us to. It's the right thing to do. You know how it is. You try to help somebody. As a pastor, this is part of the life and the job of a minister. You know, you get with somebody and they're boo-hooing and they're crying. And you're thinking, oh, what's going on? And they're telling you the story. You think, oh, dear God, I've told you this a thousand times. We've talked about this a thousand different times. Well, praise the Lord, I'm going to tell you again. And let, let me help you again. Let me just share with you again. Well, why? Because people deserve it. You think, dear God, how hard-headed can you be? Well, no, God just wants us to keep on loving them. You're going to come in contact with those people. You're thinking, how many times am I going to have to tell you? But praise the Lord, we're going to love them. Husbands, wives, don't be pushy. Just keep loving them. Moms, dads, don't be pushy. Just keep loving them. Because you are the example of hope. Your hope and your example is helping them grow and leading them to a place of faith. Number three, or third base, is love. To be a part of the team, to serve, to love one another. Love is the most expensive word known to man. I said love is the most expensive word known to man. Because love is not about your feeling or what you feel. Love is about what you do. What do you do? Don't tell me, show me. There's a well-known uh, ministry couple. And what they were known for was going and ministering to churches on the subject of marriage. Figure that. Their ministry was ministering on marriage. And they got to a place in their life where they're ready to get a divorce. And they're like, we just can't do this anymore. So they decided, well, you know what, praise the Lord, you know what, before we actually go through with this, we're going to go meet our pastor, our mentor, and just tell him where we're at. And so they got down to, to, I think they went to Texas, and they sat down with him, and they just began to share their heart. And what he said was that, I love her, but she don't love me. And what she said is, well, I love him, but he don't love me. And it just seemed as though they could not come to a place of reconciliation. And so this pastor said to him, he says, well, listen, guys, you've been doing it this long so far. He says, your kids are teenagers. They just got a couple more years until they're out of, out of high school. So just stick it through until they're out of high school. Can you do that? And they're like, well, okay, yeah. Well, for the kids, we'll do it just a couple more years. And he says, okay. He says, do that. But now here's what I want you to do. He says, I want you to go back and just purpose to love each other just out of hate. <laughs> just go back there and love them just because you hate them so much and just say, I'm going to outlove you. I'm going to outlove you because I hate you. And so they got back home and that's what they did. And in the context of that conversation, he said, you know what? She used to make me meals and used to serve me and love me. And now all she wants to do is go out and eat. And she goes, well, yeah, but he used to give me flowers and he don't ever buy flowers. And he said, well, why am I going to buy you flowers? She said, they just die anyways. 
And so he got home, or they got home. First thing he did, he came home from the office. He brought in flowers. And when he came into the house, he smelt some cooking going on. So he set the flowers on the counter. She set his food on the table. He started to eat the food. He said it wasn't good, but praise the Lord, she did it anyways. She went over to the counter, grabbed the flowers, and threw them in the trash. He said he grabbed his plate, went over to the trash, and scraped it off. Bless God. So the next day came. He came home, and he brought her flowers again. She set his food on the table. She grabbed the flowers and threw them in the trash. He scraped off his food again. This went on for several days. And finally, he's like, dear God, I'm getting hungry. (laughs) I ain't doing that no more. So he came home, put the flowers on the counter. She put the food on the table. He kept on eating. She threw them away. He said, bless the Lord. I'm still going to (laughs) eat. Praise God. So the next day came. He set the flowers on the counter. She set the food on the table. And she grabbed the flowers and put them in water. He's like, man, now what am I going to do? Because now i got to keep buying flowers. I'm going to go broke buying flowers. He said he did this for two months, or they did this for two months. He said, we have flowers all over the house. (laughs) He said, but after two months, we started talking. We started having good conversation. He said, after five months, we decided to go have sex. He said, we had sex for a year. He said, but it was good. It became a habit. (laughs) What am I saying? They saved their marriage by outloving one another. Loving is going to cost you something. Loving is going to require you to do something, not say something. They saved their marriage as a result of what they purpose to do. As I said, love is not what you feel. It's something that you do for someone. For God so loved the world that he gave. God requires us to love people that don't deserve to be loved. God requires us and asks us to serve people and love people that should go to hell. But the Bible says that it's the love of God, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. It's the love of God that draws them into a relationship with Him. And that's what God said. Faith, hope, and love. As you're purposing to live this life and grow and find out all that's on the inside of you, He says, now abide in faith. Abide with this hope. Abide in this love. But the greatest of these, He said, is love. To get to home plate, He said, it's all about love. It's all about love. God relates our relationship with him as a marriage or a marriage covenant. When it comes to a natural marriage, you know, Hallmark's got it all wrong. You know, you buy anniversary cards. Thank you for this new life. Thank you for a new life that we have to share together. No, it ought to be funeral cards. Thank you. I died. But that's the truth. Marriage is a covenant. And there can only be a covenant when somebody dies. How do we truly love one another? 
how do we truly serve? How do we truly grow as a church? How do we make this church become the greatest church to love people? It is to come in and say, God, I'm going to give you my life, and I'm going to serve people with my life. It begins at home. I know we're all in a position where we say, man, life is so busy. Life is so hard. Life is hectic. Start in your home. See what God does. Love your spouse. Love your kids. I'm not talking about running them all over. I'm not talking about the schizophrenia of life and activities. I'm talking about spending quality time serving and loving your family. That's your first ministry. And as you begin to grow in that area, you'll begin to God stretch you, feel God stretch you and say, let's serve the bigger family now. Get on the team. Find what God's put on the inside of you to serve people that don't deserve it. To serve people that won't appreciate you. To serve people that are going to hell. But let's build the family because we can only have success in life have the home runs of life have the victories of life if we do it as a team amen let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed my heart and my desire was to simply challenge you to be a part of the team of GVC and really the family of God say let's do life together and let's reach this greater Flynn area but listen as we've talked about the team you might say I don't know if I'm on your team I don't know if I'm that one you're talking about that if I was to die right now I would go to hell I want to just extend the invitation to you to be part of that team come on to the team of God, God's team the winning team and it's not hard I realize we say well yeah but you don't know my past you don't know what, what, what my story is but Jesus had a story and his story became your history and he said I came to love you and serve you and give you my life even when you didn't deserve it. If you're here this morning and you say, I don't know that I know Jesus. I don't know that I'd go to heaven. Then I want to just give you the invitation. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to boldly just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to receive the winning number. To receive my jersey. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I was on the team, but man, I just, I went into retirement and I've not been doing like I know, living like I know, and life just, just, life just isn't what I've been wanting it to be, and come on back, come on back to the team, come on, there's a spot on the team for you, there's a spot on the team for you, you may say, I don't know anything, all I can be is, is a water boy, listen, the water boy is just as important, he is part of the team, amen, if you're here this morning, you're saying I want to know Jesus I want to receive Jesus into my heart I want to be on the team or if you're here and you say pastor 
I want to get back on the team. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up front. But I want you to be bold enough to raise your hand and say, that's me. Raise your hand if you would, please. That's you. Raise it. I see those hands. I see those hands. You can put them down once you put them up. Anybody else? Say, I want to be on the team. I see it back there, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? One more time. Anybody here to say, I want to be on the team. I see it back there, man. Let me just let me just help you with any insecurities. It's a no-hassle guarantee. Don't worry about what the expectation is going to be. Just allow yourself to become part of the family. And then just grow. And take it day by day. No expectations. Just come on the family. One last time. You want to be a part of the team. I want to be on the roster knowing I'm going to heaven. All right. Look up at me with you, would you please? And let's everybody together make this bold statement together, this bold prayer together. Everybody in the room. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus that he served me, loved me when I didn't deserve it. I deserve hell. But you took my place, forgave my sin. So I receive Christ. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my Savior, in Jesus' name. Thank you that I am now on the team, and I won't get off, because I am yours, and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, if you've prayed that prayer, in the back there should be these envelopes back here it's just really a a non-confrontational way but if you say hey what's my next step how do i grow in a relationship with god what does it look like what does it take we've got materials back there we've got things to help you grow and it comes in a green envelope it's bright green you can't miss it and it says i believe grab one of those there's some books in there there's some things in there just to help you because we love you so listen grab one no cost grab it as you leave amen Come on, let's worship God one last time before we leave.